from the Strike and Spare Family Fun Center studio. It's the Bill King Show. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Go get it, dog. I'm a man. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. I is sitting on a firecracker. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. It's a fantastic day for the United States of America. It's the Bill King Show. Call or text now. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Call us or send us a text on the WNSR text line. 615-844-5600. 615-844-5600. Call or text. Same number. Red 7. I don't know what Red 7 means. Brought to you by Omni Nashville Hotel. Fifth Avenue, downtown. Hot Rock. That's what we call a sack lunch. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Thursday's T.J. Pittenger. T.J. just hit me just a millisecond ago when Florida State opens against Georgia Tech, Dublin, Ireland in August. What will the starting backfield look like? Give me the starters. Yeah, I mean, so I think D.J.'s your 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 quarterback. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they always start two running backs, so I think it'll be Roy Dell. Um, from Alabama and Lawrence Toa Philly, uh, who was kind of the featured back in the ACC championship game because Trey Benson was pretty banged up. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you want outlined field positions, but those, that's how I kind of feel the, the backfield will look like for sure. Yeah. I was just – that that day that day's coming, man. Uh, it's it's ways down the road, but I just isn't that going to be interesting? Roy Dale Williams standing back there as the starting running back from Alabama, and the quarterback is DJU, and then probably on the offensive line, Terrence Ferguson from, from Alabama in there too, somewhere interior probably. Yeah, I think Ferguson will start. I think Richie Leonard might start. Um, you know, there there's some guys that Florida State brought back and are you know. You know, I'm not guaranteeing that both those guards end up starting for the Noles, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were both in there starting. Um, Mo Smith at center. Uh, if, you know, Robert Scott, if he can stay healthy, he'll, he'll certainly start at a tackle. Bless Harris at the other side. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to have the two Bama guys in there too, but you could have other transfers starting as well for sure. Allen and Tampa just brought it up a couple of minutes ago. Harvard transfer Jacob Rizzi on the offensive line. I believe he's a tackle. I'm assuming he starts as well. I'm not bringing him in there to occupy oxygen. Yeah, I think there'll be a competition there. It wouldn't surprise me if he's if he was a depth piece. You know, yeah. I think that you know he's somebody that could they could mold a little bit. Um, I don't know that he is all the way day one. I think they kind of like their tackles. 
Um, so we'll see. There'll be a competition, but I don't know that he's penciled into a specific starting spot like this moment. Rob Scott will be back. Um, he's got to stay healthy, but you know, so they, they've got some work, but they'll have five. Jeremiah Byers back in the UTEP transfer who certainly got better as the year went on, but they like having a really deep room and they like being able to rotate out a lot and kind of keep guys fresh and keep guys healthy. And so, you know, they, I mean, they're not like rotating like they do on the defensive line. They like some continuity there, but they do like to mix and match and, and plug and play guys at times. So guys will certainly get snaps. You know, Richie Leonard came over from UF. He had like 755 snaps um, for the Gators. He led their entire offense um, as far as just snap count. And we didn't have anybody close to that number. You know, like, I mean, you know, running backs and, and, and you know, well, JT wasn't even close to that because he ended up getting injured. And so Florida State really likes to rotate a lot more. So, you know, don't be surprised if they go like 8, 9, 10 deep on the, uh, on the offensive line. Noah Kev up in Chicago wants to know, are you affiliated with one of the team sites, the Florida State sites? No, I just do the I, – I do my own YouTube show um, and then tweet a lot, and, and that's it. So, no, no, just all, all kind of solo, double prize those long. No I'm thinking Kev. about starting oh. a baseball I'm, – I'm thinking about starting a baseball site for Allen specifically to read. <laughs> well, he, and he can sponsor it. He's got the money. No, Kev has another one. He said, I've heard a theory lately Norvell wouldn't have signed an extension if he didn't believe that the landing spot for Florida State was the Big Ten or the SEC and that they were absolutely getting out of the league. I mean, would you take a cross-country flight without any parachutes on it, Bill? You know, I wouldn't either. Um yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll buy that. I, I don't think that's too crazy, and, and I think Florida State does get out in the next couple of years. Uh, I think that, you know, certainly when Alfred's having those conversations at Florida State's AD, I'm, I'm sure he's telling him, hey, buddy, we're, you know, whether whether they get out or not, you know, I, I think he's telling him like, hey, man, we're doing everything we can to, to get you in one of those conferences so that you are in the playoff every single year, or so. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll buy that one. What's the latest on Florida State and the lawsuit with the ACC? So a little over a week ago, the ACC amended their lawsuit to just kind of add a couple of things, change the wording on a couple of things. Nothing that I would say is, like, absolutely crucial or, you know, smoking gun or anything like that, you know. So they, they amended some stuff. They changed some stuff around. We should have an update on that, like, middle of February. I think it's, like, February 15th or 16th. Um, we should get an answer to some of the stuff that they requested. And so, yeah, maybe have a, a little bit of an update in two or three weeks. Um, but nothing nothing real major. It's going to be in the courts for a while, and it's going to be drug out. And, you know, a lot of people think they'll settle before the season starts. But then I chat with other people that say, I'll be surprised if they settle before December. And so – it's not necessarily going to be a quick process. It would surprise me if it goes any more than, like, a year and a half. I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if it got up to two years, right? Like, they, what, they filed at Christmas of, of this year uh, or of 2023. If it got to Christmas of 2025 and we still didn't have resolution, I think I'd be pretty shocked. Um, I think it'll be wrapped up at some point, you know, this year or so. But, um, yeah, nothing, nothing real – Nothing real urgent. It'll it'll move slow. The wheels on this won't be fast at all. 
Would it be a safe assessment, at least to hope, that Florida State has their new league in place by 26? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, if I if you had asked me right now, I think they'll. I think they'll. I I would. You know, I w- I'm not putting like 99% confidence on this, but I'm slightly more confident that 2024 is their last year in the ACC than I am that they'll play 2025 in the ACC. Right, and that's close, right? It's maybe like 55-45 or 60-40, right? Like, it's not like overwhelming confidence that that happens. But I, I think I'm slightly more confident that it get wrapped, gets wrapped up before then and, and they get out and this is their last year. Um, you know, there's a chance they play 2025, but then, yeah, 2026, I'd be at like 95% confidence that they're not in the ACC, at, you know, for the 2026 football season. The ACC released the schedules for this next 24 football season, which includes, obviously, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. What did Florida State's schedule look like to you? Honestly, pretty manageable. They should start out 5-0. I mean, you know, like not to, you know, I understand there could be a little bit of a step back from last year, but they start out with Georgia Tech, B.C., Memphis, um, Cal, and SMU, and so they should start out five and zero. You know, there's there's no reason they should lose to any of those teams. Uh, and then they play Clemson the next week. Clemson will probably start out three and one. I'd assume they lose to Georgia to open the year up. Obviously, crazy things can happen. I'm not saying they can't win that game, but Florida State should be five and zero. They should be three and one with a really good loss to probably the number one team in the country. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see, right? Maybe that's a game day. Maybe it's not. But if they if they were to beat Georgia, it would certainly be a game day. If they were if the teams were nine and zero combined, but yeah, they should start the year five and five and zero. We'll see what happens against Clemson, and then from there, yeah, I think you have a pretty manageable schedule. You play Duke in North Carolina. You should beat both those teams. Um, you know, you play Miami, uh, Florida, and Notre Dame. It certainly, you know, kind of gets tough there toward the back end. But you know, you you should be in all those games. I don't think anybody thinks that, like, Notre Dame's going to be an overwhelming favorite or Miami's an overwhelming favorite. You play Charleston Southern down the stretch. I mean, obviously that should be a win. So, yeah, I mean, I think the schedule's pretty manageable. You get a bye after Notre Dame. You've got a um, a relatively, you know, I think North Carolina's going to be down a little bit. You play North Carolina in between uh, Miami and Notre Dame, so you kind of get that, that week there. Um, so, yeah, I think it sets up pretty well for the Knowles. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they're, like, seven or eight teams on the schedule that Florida State should beat, right? They should beat those first five we talked about. They should beat Charleston Southern. They should beat Duke and North Carolina, who should both take a step back this year. They should honestly beat Florida um, again, since that game's in Tallahassee. And then it comes down to what do they do against Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami, right? How, how do they fare in those really big games? Um, but, yeah, that's where, kind of where I put the floor. Like, the floor should be eight wins. And then if you can win some of those big ones, you can look at nine, ten, eleven. I was just looking, and I was checking out Cal, their their schedule. As you mentioned, they got to go to Florida State. That's September 21st. And they get Oregon State on the 26th. They've got to play. They get my, so Miami's got to go to Berkeley. How about that? Yeah. I'm glad it's them and not us. 
<laughs> I mean, and you should, right? Like, I mean, I know that everybody was worried about the ACC just absolutely screwing Florida State over because of all this lawsuit stuff. But I mean, I didn't even really know if there was a way they could do that, right? Like, I, like I told you, like, there's nine games on this schedule you should win. You know, you've got to be if you're Florida State, you shouldn't be losing games to Georgia Tech, BC, SMU, UNC, Duke, even you know Florida this year, who we don't expect to be very good. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, if you're if you win the championship, you should get you know some some more favorable things in your in your schedule. So yeah, I'm glad that we don't have to go out to Cal. Now I'm sure you know if we're around in 2025, we will. You know, I'm sure that Cal or Stanford won. So we'll see, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're not making that trip this year. Um, the whole cross country thing—that's tricky, man. I mean, Miami's better than Cal. I mean, they should absolutely beat them, but yeah. that stuff can get that stuff can get weird, man. Traveling to the West Coast—you've never done that before. Um, I always thought it was easier for West Coast teams to come out this way than for for East Coast teams to go there, just because so much earlier in the day. And so, yeah, I'm glad it's them and not us. I mean, Miami's not in the really the contiguous United States. They're in the Bahamas. That's a heck of a flight. I mean, that's six hours or something. It, it's not, yeah, six, seven hours. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, the only thing further would be going to Oregon. So when we're in the Big Ten in a couple of years with them, then, you know, hopefully they have to make that trip first, too. <laughs> See you next week, good friend. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, buddy. Dave Hooker when we continue off the hook sports. Good morning. Really slow now over here on 40 East trying to get past the airport coming into Hermitage, Donaldson. It's also carrying a heavy volume of traffic westbound on Vietnam Vets at Conference Drive trying to get on that ramp there to 65 going south. 65 south still crawling out of Kentucky this morning down through Portland uh, through that northern part of Robertson County. 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services here in Middle Tennessee. It's Tomahawk Crane and Rigging. They're online, TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Are you ready for a touchdown of flavor and excitement? Look no further than Sam's Place and Sam's Sports Grill. The ultimate destination for great food, fantastic drinks, and game time atmosphere that will have you cheering for more. Sam's is the place for every sports fan and food lover with over 40 TVs at every location. Sam's has a family-friendly atmosphere where everyone can have a blast. From their friendly staff to awesome kids' menu, they've got something for everyone. Online at samsplace.net or samsportsgrill.com. Or call and find the nearest location to you. At Sam's, the game is always on and the fun never stops. Attention business owners, WNSR has some exciting opportunities for your business to thrive in the dynamic world of sports radio advertising. As the proud home of some of your favorite sports teams like the Atlanta Braves, Memphis Grizzlies and more, we understand the power of sports in bringing people together and creating a passionate community. We believe that your business can become an integral part of this experience, reaching a diverse and engaged audience. Contact the WNSR sales team for an opportunity to discuss how Nashville's sports radio can elevate your brand to new heights. Whether you're interested in a specific sponsorship package or would like a customized solution, we are here to meet your advertising needs. Call 615-844-1039. 615-844-1039. 
or email saleswnsr at gmail.com. That's saleswnsr at gmail.com. And now for today's winning cash three and cash four numbers from the Tennessee Lottery. The first number is the number you just thought of. The second number is the number you would have picked. The third number is the day of your wedding anniversary. And the fourth number They're only lucky numbers if you decide to play them. Cash three and cash four only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. It's the McFarlane Show with Darren McFarlane and Fox 17's Justin McFarlane. I said all day yesterday on the show that you don't hand a microphone to a guy when the season's over to address the crowd if he's coming back. No, he wasn't. He's not coming back. So we can stop saying if he doesn't come back. But today, let me reiterate, (laughs) for sure, gone. Look forward to the ceremony. You can put that to bed. The McFarlane Show with Darren and Justin on Nashville Sports Radio WNSR. Get into the Bill King show. Um, shit, man, I just lost my train of thought. All right, dude, here's a couple of phones. Three, two, call 615 844 5600. Dave Hooker. Off the Hook Sports joins us on Thursdays. Dave Blake Rafino from Louisiana joins me every Wednesday. And all those players down in Louisiana, he scouted. He played offensive line in college himself. He said Lance Hurd right now can be a dominant run blocker. He's a beast. He's 6'6", about 340. Right now, his biggest problem would be pass protection, which is pretty typical for a young offensive lineman. He'll be a true sophomore coming up. My question, are they still working out whether he's a left tackle or a right tackle? I think they've – I think uh, Josh Heupel has been working that out for his entire career. I think he likes growing guys, which is odd to me, and I have not had the opportunity to – asking that because you know media availability nowadays but i would be interested in why he would play a guy uh at left tackle for one season and then moving to right tackle which he's done the past two years now one was darnell Wright, who was a first round pick so he probably would have been just fine at left tackle and he's one of the most freakish athletes in that draft um barring school so uh, i'm gonna say that he's gonna play left tackle and they're gonna move john campbell to right tackle it's bizarre, right? I mean, we grew up that the, the best tackle would be on the left side to protect the quarterback's blind side. But I don't think that uh, – I don't think Josh Heupel quite, quite sees it that way. I'd love to talk ball with him and, uh, for a, a little bit and find out why. But that's what he's done the past two years. And John Campbell put out in social media and uh, himself in a right tackle stance. So I would project her to play at left tackle based off what, we have, what we've seen with Josh Heupel so far. Mays is back, and of course you do work with him. Spragan says he's back. Campbell's back. Hurd starts. Who gets that fifth spot? And I presume that'd be the left guard, correct? 
presume. Um, okay, so I, I think that right now it would be at right tackle, heard at left tackle, and obviously Cooper Mays at center, Sprite at right guard. So left guard, I'm going to say is Andre Carrick. That's for now. But the thing I keep hearing is that Bison Lang is going to be uh, a really good football player. And and this is why I don't do a lot of talent evaluation. I'll leave that to other people. I watched him a little bit. Um, but he, he started to kind of play a little bit last year and get more practice time, I'm told. So I think there's a really good chance that uh, Carrick's kind of the Band-Aid, and then at some point Lang overtakes that. And we, we've seen that before. Um, where, I, you know, he doesn't change quarterbacks during the season, but we have seen where Josh Heifel is not afraid to change offensive linemen. So I'm going to say Keurig um, 60%, uh, laying 40%, and eventually laying by the end of the year. And I guess, Dave, that if something were to present itself in the portal, maybe in April, maybe that would look there, perhaps. Um, I don't think you would turn it down uh, for sure. Now, right. you know, ten, uh, how good – we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions that we really don't know the answer to, and um, that is how good is Shamarad Umarov. Now, I've heard he's made steps, uh, but he's a tackle. Um, you know, after Lane, you get to Jackson Lampley, who maybe can play, maybe can't, but that's a, a, a legacy guy, an administrator. I don't know that I would – suddenly depend on him to be a starter in the SEC, but then you've got Dane Davis. So in this weird NIL world that we're in, can you go to a guy and say, we'll pay you to be a backup? Because that's essentially what you would be doing. Most guys want a starting job when they move. So I don't know if you can make that pitch. That's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up, but you're probably not going to start if you're an offensive lineman and, ten- and you, you pick Tennessee today. Major moves in West by God, Virginia. And Dave, about six years ago, and major moves can correct my uh, timing. He hit me up on Twitter. He'd, he'd been a fan, but he was a West Virginia fan. He said, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm divorcing West Virginia and I'm adopting Tennessee. So here's his question. With the most recent success. And and by the way, I need therapy because I'm a Cowboys (laughs) fan, so I may consider what he did eventually. But go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) With the recent success of Tennessee in recruiting and also portal moves, should April 15th be a concern as far as Tennessee being poached, or is that just battered vole syndrome? It's a good term there. Yeah, battered vole syndrome. I hear that a lot. Should Tennessee be concerned about being post you're talking about in the spring period? Is that what he's referring to? Correct. The 15-day window. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm sorry you broke up a little bit. I, I'm, I mean, if you lose somebody at that point, who I – mean, I just think that that window is going to prove to be useless, to be real honest with you, unless somebody shows up and they realize that they're not a starter at that particular school – and at some point, um, like we just talked about Andre Keurig, and to some point, uh, to some extent, Lance Hurd, 
Tennessee it needs to be taking people that can play at other places and are playing at other places and not just guys that can't get the starting lineup. So I think you're going to see across the board that second um, transfer portal of the year get uh, less and less used by elite programs. So if you if you were to come and get somebody, perhaps you could take away some of Tennessee's depth. So I guess there's concern there. But I think coaches are also wary of holding scholarships for that time because we haven't seen a lot of guys uh, have big-time contributions in, in this transfer portal game um, that have come in and there. You just don't have spring camp. You don't have enough time to work in and learn, and learn the offense or defense. So I'm going to say that somebody could come away and take depth, but I don't think they're going to take anybody that you're going to be overly upset about. This always comes up, but it bears always repeating the question. And here it is. With George McIntyre committed, and he's ranked the number two quarterback in the entire 25 class, and he's physically very close to Nico, 6'6". When Nico got there, about 190 pounds. I know Nico's gained some weight. I don't think he's quite as athletic, although he can run and is a very good basketball player at Brentwood Academy. Anyways, what does that do to Jake Merklinger? Um, well, I mean, I'll I'll be really honest with you. I've, I've thought it's kind of the get that Merklinger could be the odd man out. Now, that's without seeing them play football. That's just reading the sure. recruiting tea leaf. Right, right. Um, so... Yeah, I haven't seen them play football yet, but I thought where they were on McIntyre for months that Merklinger could find himself in an odd position. Um, I think it speaks to Tennessee's quarterback group and the group that they'll have, which is two five stars and a four star. You know, there are a million different things could ha- that could happen. I was there with Claus uh, uh, and Ains Schaefer and. Uh, there was a point where you thought Schaefer would be the guy. There was a point where you, you thought, you know, Ames would be the guy. It was all over the place. Um, I think the one scenario that doesn't happen is Merklinger be- beats Nico, right? Um, other than that, um, something happens to Nico, Merklinger has to play, well, then McIntyre might have to look at his decision. But I do think that if McIntyre comes in, that – Josh Heupel will, will not pull any scholarships. I think that would hurt team culture, and he's, he's very wary of that. But I think he would say, I- I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. Merklinger, I think that um, this George guy might surpass you soon. It's up to you if you want to look into the transfer portal. So I think that conversation could be made. But I don't have any reason to believe it's going to be this December or January. I think that conversation would probably be maybe in that spring recruiting portal in 20, uh, 2025 or even later in the following one. So uh, we'll see. Without him seeing playing football, that's kind of the, the soap opera that could play out. Were you working for the Sentinel or up there in Knoxville in this business in 94? No, that's, um, I'm not quite that old. My first year was in 98. I picked a heck of a year. Yep. Oh, you did. Okay. But you'll remember this in 94. You were just talking about quarterback depth charts and items like that up in Tennessee. In 94, Tennessee opens the season at UCLA. Jerry Colquitt's the quarterback. Immediately, yep. right 
out of the shooting that game, blows his knee, his career is over. They go to Todd Helton, who we know just got some pretty good news. He plays. Mm-hmm. They also played in that game Peyton Manning and Brandon Stewart. Tennessee played four <laughs> quarterbacks in that UCLA opening. And we know that later Helton got hurt. I believe it was the Mississippi State game. You can correct me. And then they, he called it quits at that point. And then Stewart bailed in the next spring. And Manning, obviously Manning had taken the job anyways by then. But that was one of the wilder quarterback years I can recall. It, it was, especially when you know Todd Helton theoretically shouldn't have been there. He got drafted in the right. – actually a uh, second round by the Padres in 92. I know because it was senior trip. Um, I went to Powell High School, which is close to Central High School, and everybody was standing outside his door to see who would call and win. And we had to be quiet. We were doing things we shouldn't be doing. And it was the uh, it was the Padres, and I thought he's gone right then. Family really wanted him to play. Um. I talked to David Cutcliffe, and that's on my YouTube page about that. And he said that was not a gap guy like we were kind of talking about maybe Merklinger. He questioned that he could read defenses, Paul Helton, as well as anybody that includes Peyton Manning that David Cutcliffe had been around at the time. And there were actually times where he would correct him. He would say the safety did this, and the middle linebacker dropped. And David Cutcliffe would think on the field, no, that's not the case. They'd see it in tape later. And um, I don't think that Todd Helton, there's no way, was going to be a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback. But he would have been a very good college quarterback had he focused on that and decided to. It just happens to be he could hit a 100-mile-an-hour Randy Johnson fastball. So you you might want to go in that direction. He lives up there now, though, doesn't he? Uh, Todd? Acre Ranch in Colorado. He loves uh, oh, okay. elk hunting and all this stuff. So he's he's gotten back to Knoxville a lot. I used to actually lift weights with his dad, and his dad passed away. So he doesn't have any as many ties um, to Knoxville as he as he once did. But he still is a his presence, and and he's around. And he and Peyton and David Cutcliffe are extremely close. He actually was a bit of a mentor towards Peyton Manning, called him a teacher's pet. I saw in one article because Peyton wanted to be a sponge and learn how to be a pro. And the thing I will say about Todd Helton, not to get off on a tangent, is talking to David Cutcliffe last night, he said that Todd, more than anything, wanted to be a great teammate. More than being a great first baseman, or he wanted to be a great teammate. And um, I got a lot of respect for him. We grew up at, at the same time. I played at the field where the bad players play uh, in Little League, which was uh, Levi Field. He played at players like Bubba Trammell, and, uh, and he played. Uh, so I wasn't on that level. I didn't know know him, but definitely saw his ascension, and I uh, just couldn't be couldn't be happier for the young man. And um, yeah, David, was, uh, he said he was brought to tears. Uh, grew up a huge baseball fan and um, said he was brought to tears by the announcement. It was pretty special. I, I maybe underestimated the going in how big it would be among Tennessee's fan base. I did not know this stat. Kevin in Mule Town sent it yesterday on the show. There are only two players in the history of the SEC to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, Frank Thomas and Todd Helton. 
I did not know that. I didn't until I saw that. And maybe it was his tweet. I didn't know that until I saw that too, and it just doesn't sound right, does it? LSU has nobody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not even a coach? I mean, man. I mean, yeah, I thought that was pretty stunning. I uh, now now a guy a guy sent me an email. This is incredible. This audience said, "Bill, Alabama's got a guy in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, but he played at Alabama before the league was adopted in '33. So technically, it doesn't count." Yes, he doesn't count. He's dead to me. Um, I, I was, <laughs> um, Bill. I I will bet you. And I hope we're around to see this. I will bet you that one day, decades, there are 10 to 15. Because you had a lot of kids go through Vanderbilt, as you know, that were able to get help with financial aid. And now with NIL and the SEC, you'll be able to take these guys like Todd that were second rounders and probably should have gone financially. But you'll be able to say, oh, come back, come back, do your three years, don't be on a bus with a bunch of 30-year-olds. And I believe that you'll see a bunch of guys be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But I'm not sure if I'll be around for it, but I think that will happen. (laughs) Dave, good stuff, buddy. See you next week, man. Appreciate you. There he is, Mr. Dave Hooker, off the hook sports. Outstanding. Guess who's up? Top of hour three. That's right, Jay Book. Out in Scottsdale, we'll talk. Buckeyes, his site, Buck Nuts. J.C. Sherbert. Hour 3, Omni Nashville Hotel. Good morning. They were moving a wreck a few minutes ago. 40 westbound at Fessler's. It's just really heavy on 40 west. Try and get past Donaldson Pike. you got all that traffic coming in from Wilson County there into Hermitage. Donaldson as traffic uh, runs slow up there on Vietnam. That's westbound, uh, especially there at Conference Drive. It's still loaded up pretty good with a lot of volume on 24 as you make your way uh, westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area in from Rutherford County. Murfreesboro Pike at British Woods. That wreck is in its clearing stages. 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services here in Middle Tennessee. It's time Tomahawk Crane and Rigging. They're online. Check them out at TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. You enjoy the thrill of gambling, but what happens when it becomes a problem? Whether you want to cut back or quit gambling altogether, the Gambling Clinic has been helping people change their gambling for over two decades. We're here to help, not to judge. The Gambling Clinic is a Tennessee-based clinic offering in-person and telehealth support to help people win back their life. Visit us at thegamblingclinic.com. This project is funded by the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Some days I cover up because of my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Now I'm hitting the road with clearer skin thanks to Sky Rizzy, Rizemkism of Rizza, a prescription-only 150 milligram injection for adults who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy. With Sky Rizzy, three out of four people achieved 90% clearer skin at four months. And Sky Rizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. 
Don't use if allergic to Skyrizi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. Thanks to Skyrizi, there's nothing on my skin, and that means everything. Your doctor today about Sky Rizzy, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit skyrizzy.com or call 1 866 Rizzy to learn more. The Greg Pogue and John Burton Show. Wow, those guys are still on. The TSU men's basketball squad came through a challenging non-conference schedule with a winning record and now turned their attention to Ohio Valley Conference play. The Tigers kicked off a run of 18 league games over a nine-week period through February, leading the OVC Championships part 6th to the ninth at the Ford Center in Evansville. And part of that, nine league home games at the Gentry Center. Hello, this is Greg Pogue inviting you to join longtime TSU broadcaster Albert Dawson and me on all the games this season right here on National Sports Radio. Get into the Bill King Show, 615-844-5600. He doesn't charge by the minute. Jonathan down in lovely Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And he's a lawyer down there, big Alabama fan, very, very knowledgeable. Says, Bill, my firm does an annual Mardi Gras party. It's this weekend. I boil 100 pounds of crawfish, but the drought and the, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, Atchafalaya Basin made it impossible to get crawfish, so I'm doing 50 pounds of jumbo gulf shrimp. Tell Rafino I need a Bill King Show hookup on some live crawfish. And I sent that to Blake. Says this drought is for all of us. It's a fight in the bayou to get in the bayou to get crawfish right now. I did not know that. There's a shortage on getting crawfish. Craig and North Augusta, Bill. Council bluffs today at two. A base voice off. Bill King or Dave Hooker pretty good that is good Craig notices things like that I wouldn't even think of something like that but that's a no I'm undefeated yeah that would no no need to take that trip yeah I'm totally undefeated there Jay book with us top of our number three looking forward to that bug nuts and uh, what's what's the top item for Jay Book as we get started. If you wanted to say, Bill, let me give you the lead. What's the lead? Now, don't. I know what's going to come up, but I'm not going to start the conversation. Hey, Jay Book, how much pressure is Ryan Day under now with all this news? Does he need to win big, Jay Book? I mean, let's 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 wait for that one. 
That's pretty much Captain Obvious stuff. You know, Bill, I don't think he needs to win big. I think if he goes 8-4 and four and plays well, doesn't have to beat Michigan, just plays well, looks competitive, I think he's safe. I mean, <laughs> what do you <laughs> – I'm going to start with uh, – I'm going to start with Caleb Downs. Yeah, that's where I'm going to start. And we'll we'll go from there. Charlie in Americas, Georgia, where Charlie did not bring this up. Wasn't Leotis Burton, Leotis Burton from there? Now, now I don't know how far Charlie goes back. Leotis Burton was a defensive lineman from Americas who signed with Tennessee in 78. He was 6'6", about 240, and was he was a potential Pro Bowl player. His freshman year on the defensive line for Tennessee, they're playing Notre Dame, getting beat pretty bad. Notre Dame's running back that year was Vegas Ferguson. I don't think Coach Pete was at Arkansas, so Coach Pete would not have been there with Vegas Ferguson. Vegas Ferguson was in Green Grass. This guy was a speed guy. Green Grass as a running back with the ball, and Leonis Burton ran him down. And they also signed a guy named Mike Kofer, who uh, was a freak of an athlete. Played you, you folks up in Detroit played for the Lions for many years, from local. Knoxville High School Bowl. But but Leonis Burton had an All-American freshman year at Tennessee. Made freshman All-American. I mean, his future was unlimited. And one of the weirdest things ever, guys, the very next summer during August practice, they're running sprints, and he's having trouble running a straight line. And this continued. They started running tests on him, and he had some kind of blood disorder. I don't remember. But his career literally ended. I remember seeing him later when I was there and just talking, and tears came to his eyes about him. But I don't know, Charlie, if if you remember him or go back that far or not. Don't know, and I don't know whatever happened to him. Either. That was that was again. He signed in '78. Charlie says, "Bill Downs, Griff, and McEnroe. Wait, will Griff report the information concerning how much Downs will get paid and what Georgia offered?" He already told us it was none of our damn business. Yes, we had the audio clip from itsugasports.com. Is that right? And the guy on there, I don't know him. I know who he is. But he said that Georgia had a number around a half million for downs and the Buckeyes are willing to go way further than that. Seven figures. And you know what? So be it. 
that's the world we're in right now. If I'm Caleb Downs and they want to give me a million bucks and that's where I want to be, Buckeye land, and it's a fantastic place, go get it. Sophomore year in college, you're making seven figures. Good for you. Happy for him. I am. I'm very, very happy for him. Topwater assassin. Bill, South Carolina has been flooded for months. Crawfish shouldn't be a problem here. In college, I worked at Lowe's beside a crawfish farm in Charleston. After a thunderstorm, the crawfish would invade the Lowe's lumberyard. Jonathan, go 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 over there to Charleston. Now, apparently down in Louisiana, it's, it's a thing right now, from what I understand. All right, we'll get the break. Omni Nashville Hotel. Morning, still slow. 60 by southbound. Trying to get down through Portland again this morning. It's just been a nightmare up there in that northern part of Robertson County all week long. Every day we've had something either southbound, northbound. Again, it's just been terrible up there in Robertson County on the interstate. It remains heavy. Vietnam vents westbound here at Conference Drive. You got all that traffic trying to get through Hendersonville. Extremely heavy on 24 westbound up through the Antioch area in from Rutherford County. The interstate's running slow again in Hermitage on 40 westbound. You got all that traffic being pushed in right now. 40 West in from Wilson County there through Hermitage. Prince's Hot Chicken has you covered during the playoffs with catering. You can order on your mobile app. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-type traffic. Hello, I'm Greg Pogue, and welcome to the High Valley Conference Basketball Weekly Spotlight presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, a division of the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. Drunk driving is the ultimate form of unsportsmanlike conduct. The Tennessee Highway Safety Office reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. Moorhead State is now back on top of the league standings at 6-1 after a pair of victories last week. The Eagles are a half game ahead of Western Illinois, which had its first conference loss Saturday against Tennessee State. Moorhead State will host Western Illinois on Saturday and has won 15 straight home games, the sixth longest streak nationally. Southern Indiana's women improved to 7-0 in OVC play with wins over Little Rock and Moorhead State. The Screaming Eagles have won eight games in a row, dating back to non-conference play in December. Anna Dietz of Western Illinois made 17 of 18 free throws in overtime win Saturday over TSU. The 17 made free throws are the second most in a game nationally this season and just one behind the leader. Moorhead State's Riley Minix was named OVC Player and Newcomer of the Week with the Player Award being his third award this season. Most of any league player, Moorhead State's Eddie Rick III was named Top Freshman. Reagan McCowan of Western Illinois was named Women's Player and Freshman of the Week, the latter for 
the ninth time while TSU's Sanaa St. Andre was top newcomer. For complete information on this year's OVC Basketball Championships presented by United Fidelity Bank, which will be March 6th through the 9th at the Ford Center in Evansville, visit ovcsports.com forward slash Evansville. This has been the OVC Basketball Weekly Spotlight presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, a division of the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. If you've been drinking, don't drive, and always remember that fans don't let fans drive drunk. I'm Greg Pogue wishing everybody a great week of OVC Basketball. You won't believe it until you OVC it. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. There aren't any cops around. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I drink and drive all the time. If you put away some drinks, put away your keys. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, a division of the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. Hi, I'm Test Director Rick from ServPro, the leader in cleaning, restoration, and construction. It's my job to make sure our pros are prepared for anything. Storm damage? Fixed. Flood damage? We're on it. Fire damage? Not anymore. Aliens? What? Aliens? We cleaned those sites a while ago. No matter the disaster, our pros will make it like it never even happened. Find out why ServPro is the number one choice for residential and commercial restoration projects, large and small. Visit ServPro.com today. If there's a drama stream anywhere in college sports, the Bill King Show is there to break it down. Georgia dog down on the Emerald Coast. Said Bill, during his time at Georgia, Bobo, Coach Mike Bobo, helped lead the dogs to 135 victories, including two SEC championships, five SEC Eastern Division titles, and eight bowl victories. He fits there well. That worked. Remember, there were some critics, and that's, hey, that's part of it. As he began his return to Georgia. And I've interviewed Mike once. And that was when I was down there previously doing my show from the Buttsmere building. And I'm trying to remember. I believe that was around 2012-ish. Me and Gino Toretta. Yeah. Gino uh, came up from... He's in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, down there somewhere in the financial business. But he flew up, and we did the show. What a good dude. Yeah, what a good dude. Heisman Trophy winner at Miami. He's a California kid, but won the Heisman. I'm the one that told you the story he told me, which is funny. I'll just repeat it. He's taking his Miami visit, and Jimmy Johnson is the coach. And, of course, on that visit, they did everything. Everything that a 18-year-old young man would want to do, 
things you shouldn't be doing, you did on that trip. You went to the clubs, you got into the uh, the pappies or whatever, you did everything. And Sunday rolls around, and Jimmy's bringing recruits in from the visit, one by one to talk and maybe offer. Gino walks in there, and Jimmy offers him, and he pukes all over the place. They just started puking everywhere. Just Linda Blair and the exorcist puking from all the excess partying and everything. <laughs> maybe we'll get maybe we get Gino on the show one time to talk about it. That'd be pretty funny. Gino's Gino's a good guy. He's a good guy. I don't know, is he doing much broadcasting now or not? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but I liked uh all those guys that I traveled with, and a lot of those trips I went on my own. It just depends on timing and all that. But but Gino, Randy Cross, of course Mike Leach, all those guys, such good dudes, man. I, I did not have one bad experience with any of those guys. None of them. None of them. Tom in Myrtle Beach says, most Bobo critics are South Carolina and Auburn fans. And he says, and yes, oh, me. He did a good job. Did a very good job this year. And uh, Carson Beck had a fantastic debut. Yeah, I mean, I'm thoroughly impressed with Carson Beck's year he had and projecting what that's going to look like this year. Very impressed. Don't know how you couldn't be. And they're well set up. Whether it's Gunnar Stockton that takes it over, whoever it might be. Whether it's a commitment from Jared Curtis here in town and apparently Georgia and Auburn, Georgia and um, Ohio State, I should say, are the, at the moment, teams to beat for the top-ranked quarterback, and top-ranked player, period, in the class of 26 at Nashville Christian High School. Nashville Christian School is what they call it. It's a private school, and it is a Church of Christ denominational school. And it's on the west side of the Nashville area. It'd be... Borderline West Nashville Bellevue is is where it would be. If you're going down 40 on the west side, like you're coming in from Memphis or going out to Memphis, it'd be right off that interstate where they're located. You know what an irony? Before I got in this business, this pizza joint called Mr. Gaddy's would broadcast high school games. And I broadcast a year of Nashville Christian games, probably around 1986, just for the fun of it, no other reason. And uh, and then they would play them back at the various pizza joints. That's that's <laughs> that was the broadcast, yes. And I don't know of anybody that's got a copy of those. I don't I don't know, but. It would be funny, and it'd probably be pretty funny how bad I actually was back then doing it. I'm sure I was just atrocious. 
I remember a year or two later, some guy had some copies, and I remember I was asking about it. He said, hey, frankly, they're not very good. <laughs> now, this guy told me that. <laughs> you know what? Truth hurts. Yeah, that was that was a ways back. Now the number one player on the planet's at that school. Jay Book. Oh, yeah, that's where we're going next. Jay Book. Buck Nuts. Omni Nashville Hotel. <laughs> 